Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. With more and more movies easily available on streaming services, it's harder to know what's worth watching and what might be a waste of your time. There are many hidden gems out there waiting to be discovered, and we want to help you find them. This is Trailer Rewind, a podcast where JJ and I, your virtual video store clerks, sift through the shelves to help you discover new favorites. Today is September 7th, and The Yellow Birds is available on Amazon Prime. 
Now, because what's available on streaming services can change, it's possible that by the time you're listening to the show that this has changed, you can easily find where The Yellow Birds is streaming using a service like JustWatch.com. If you're on Letterboxd and have a patron or pro account, JustWatch is integrated into your account. Awesome. So when you look at the Trailer Rewind watch list or Trailer Rewind episode list, you can easily see a film such as The Yellow Birds or other films that we've watched if they are currently available and where. And if you don't have a patron or pro Letterboxd account, you can easily get a 20% discount if you go to truestory.fm slash Letterboxd. So let's take a look at the trailer to see what The Yellow Birds is all about. Hey man, you from Virginia? Ms. Bartle? Is Brandon home? He's out. I'm just following up on a few things from Brandon's last post. Has your son ever mentioned the name Daniel Murphy? Listen, whatever you're selling, mister, we don't want any. Oh, I'm not a recruiter or anything like that, Miss Bartle. You had him already. You don't get to take him again. You understand? Thanks for looking out for him. You bet. We look out for each other. Promise me you'll take care of him over there. Yeah, of course, no. You guys have to promise to do what I say. Yeah, sure thing, sir. Don't give me that no short thing this time. You do what I say, I'll take care of you. CID, what is that? Criminal investigation division. Now they're gonna kill some of us, we're gonna kill some of them. We got civilians, Sarge! Come on! Hold up! What happened over there? I'm not accusing the army of anything. I just want to know where my son is. He's still there! One o'clock! Wait, wait, wait! You know, when I'm looking for films, I look at the trailers and say, okay, what this looks interesting. There's something that's a draw to this. There's things like this one for me initially. I'm looking at this cast, this amazing cast of really familiar faces that, you know, I didn't expect to see in a film like this. I've got Alden Ehrenreich, we got Ty Sheridan, yeah. we've got Tony Collette, Oof. you know, and Jennifer Aniston, right. uh, Jason Patrick. Yeah, we're, yeah. This is this was this is not this is a mishmash. Yeah. This is not anything that I would normally expect to see in a film together. So that intrigued me. And I thought there's some there's gotta be something about this story. Mm. Right. So then I look at what's what's the what am I being presented in this trailer? And for me, I was like, here's some type of suspenseful thrillers, you know, wartime thing in terms of there's a cover-up in about this private Daniel Murphy and there's something going on and there's this really complex mystery and there's, you know, whenever there's, you know, military involved, is there a cover up to hide something? What's going on? You've got, you know, distraught parents. I thought, okay, this is going to be a really interesting suspense thriller about yeah. a mystery. What is, yeah. Yes, exactly. Chasing down yeah. kind of like, uh, a few, a few good men or something like that, where it would it have this real sort yes. of strong narrative momentum that would bring you through it. That's that's how it felt in the trailer. The trailer's really well composed. It's actually pretty comprehensive. Not like I'm yes. used to trailers. I actually think it's a really good trailer, um, but not really for this movie. <laughs> 
I thought felt the same way by the time I was watching this movie. I went back Wait, you and I watched that first. trailer again. See, this is but, the key thing. I didn't watch the trailer yeah. until after. So this might be a this might be an interesting point of contention for us tonight. Well, because it sets up something, and I agree, this trailer is amazing. I yeah, love the, the pacing, the the cutting on this, everything, the way it, it puts all the pieces together. I'm expecting this, like, heart-wrenching, just, you know, where is this going? Because we, clearly we've got a young innocent in war, and, you know, we've, we've got, the, you know, a, a sergeant. We've got the experienced sergeant, you know, who's, I'm going to, you know, watch out for you boys. I'm like, you know, we've seen all the, the tropes. Right. And so I have a feeling of where this are going. I know these character types. So I thought, okay, we're going to get an interesting story. And that's not what I got out of this movie. Yeah. And I think that may be why looking at what, where you fell on your ratings, sure. I'm, I'm just peeking here. Yeah. yeah I think, you know, expert, this is again, why I try to stand by the do not watch a trailer for a movie. If I know I'm going to watch it because it can set up those expectations. It can set up, anticipation of a certain type of film and that's where marketing comes in once they get your money you know in the box office once you buy that ticket okay that's it yeah i mean you could complain you could get your money back but i mean typically i i've i don't think i've ever walked out of a film and demanded my money back i will always see it through and i may be disappointed in the end but I, I want to give the film its, its chance. And this is a case of, I think, where watching the trailer first set me up for something that it didn't. It, that, that's not the film that this yeah, is. Yeah, I never asked for my money back either. I vote with my with my dollar and with my microphone. So <laughs> if I don't like it, everybody's going to hear about it. And that's the big thing. It, you're right. It does set you up for a different kind of movie. One thing I will say, though, is that I felt, as, again, I watched the trailer after I saw the movie, but in watching the movie, I feel like the movie kind of sets you up for that too a little bit. But the payoff isn't as frustrating when it, it subverts your expectations midway through the film. Not like the trailer where the trailer really, you know, brings you in with these hard, intense moments. And also, I mean, one of the things that's really amazing about this trailer is the way they deliver the um, the accolades and the quotes about it. Oh, it's yes. super powerful. Yes. I feel like the marketing team like deserves a, a, an award for how they marketed this movie, even though it's not for the movie. It's just a really great advertisement for a different movie. Um, but I ended up when... I was being set up for the detective story, the mystery, the crime, the, the, the sort of military crime thing in the movie. It felt a little bit more subtle. It felt a bit, little bit more as if it was feeling its way into that. So then when it subverted the expectations and when we got to the real sort of emotional thing that this movie was about, I ended up not disliking it. Um, I ended up liking the way they sort of walked me around that circle, thinking that it was something more intense. And again, not a we haven't talked about this yet, but not a, a specific a very linear narrative, which I, I appreciate in films. And I thought the creative way that they told the story ended up working for me in the long run, even though, again, it, since we're talking about the trailer, it's very different from what the trailer is trying to set us up for, for in this movie. And the title, the title's terrible. The title must be the title of the book, too, I have to just say. Yes. Because twice yes. in the trailer, they mention the title. Once in the movie, they do. So they repeat the same line in the trailer twice. So it's like they need to feed you <laughs> what this title was because it has, no, unless you understand what it's all about, there's no reason to use this title for this movie either. No. And I think that's one of the challenges when you've got a book that's going to give you a lot more time to get into character, backstory, all of those pieces where something like The Yellow Birds, which is we get once in the film and it's that, you know, one of those, you know, 
what do you what do you call them a, a chant or something yeah, they yeah. used to keep their cadences Cadence. there yeah. they're marching right. yes and so we see that once and i can see that in a book that may that's a motif that could be coming through you know in a in a character's mind echoes of that throughout would make it appropriate for the title of a book but you just slap that on the movie because it's based on the book and you don't draw that out because i i've saw many reviews where people said i don't understand the title of this movie this doesn't have anything to do with it it's not mentioned i i because it's there i'm like okay it ties back to boot camp it ties back to something but that was one place where i felt like you're not giving me what i want which is some explanation of the title one thing be helpful you know i mean we we go back to our other bird movies which this could have you know fallen in with like (laughs) you know the goldfinch yes we know what the goldfinch is there yes right yes exactly we can connect those things yellow birds uh, is it a commentary on our our main characters that's not what the point of the film is at least and i feel like it's taken a small part of the book and it's it's given us that film and you have to make those choices anytime you adapt and i i understand that uh, but yeah, I feel like if you're going to make that change, then change the title to better connect or pre- represent what this story is going to be about. And that's, that's, that's one piece. And then it, again, this, it's a war, it's set in a war, but the trailer sets me up for it's a suspense thriller. So I'm just looking at it as wars in terms of the, the backdrop of some type of political intrigue, something going on about morality, all of those things. When we get into it, this film isn't a war. I mean, it is because it deals with the consequences of war. So it's that story. I, I agree. Like halfway through, it really pivots into the character piece of this film, which is entirely different from what the trailer sets up and what from the first half of the film sets up. Yeah, and I, th- and I I I see that you, you know that you really felt like the character aspect was huge with it. I for me, it it really sort of became this sort of watercolor about tragedy. Um, and about wartime tragedy in a way that reminds me, you know, and it's nowhere near the intensity of something like Apocalypse Now. I don't want to say that, but in the kind of sort of impressionistic thing about the the, the terribleness of this particular war, um, that's kind of how I felt like this was. And I didn't really get that much into Bartle so much as the commentary about how war can ruin people um, as, as a whole. Um, so and. It it handles tragedy in a really sort of interesting way and and shows you the psychology about it too, um, and and because of that I think you know whether you want to go deep on this character on the Alden Ehrenreich character that's Brandon Bartle or whether you're just sort of if people really do like wartime movies and like to see the sort of full spectrum of emotion that can be brought to you with war, especially the tragic parts, that's where this movie is going to be strong for you, or you're going to want to see this movie, not for any of those things that the trailer is going to suck you in on. Oh yeah. This, this is not a, this is not a glorification of war. It is, it is also, you know, it is tackling, as you've mentioned, a lot of complex issues. So it's not, say that's the challenge of it's not taking a particular stance on war is good war is bad and destroys people it it, it is really like a tapestry of we've got these stories and it doesn't have a strong sense of one particular point of view on that i think like as you said the watercolor we get a lot of different perspectives on things and that makes it a very different type of film than a, a typical war film And i'd say those people that are looking for another you know film you know another war you know, 21st century war film set in the Middle East. 
this is probably not going to be your type of film because that is the, the setting for it, but it is tackling much more complex issues. It's not about good guys versus bad guys. We're in all shades of gray here. And I agree. It is really about tragedy, loss, family, all, you know, how people get transformed by, by trauma. Um, so that is, I think, not what a typical war film viewer is going to want right. when they sit down to right. watch this it. Is the so human, it is something the real sort of soft human side of what can happen in war and in a modern war, which I think is interesting, too. Yes. I think we have examples of this in, in older wars, but I haven't seen this treatment been given to modern soldiers and, and modern war. Um, and that was interesting to me, too. And so I'd say that's what I would say. Don't group this in with war movies. This is more drama sure. that has a wartime setting to it. Because I think that's yeah. you know, where I would I would say this is definitely more human drama. Um set set this wartime setting aside that gives you some, you know, bits and pieces, but is really about these characters and trauma and drama. And that's the that's sort of the place I would put this for people. If you're looking for a good drama, you're looking for tragedy, you know, human human connections and content, all of those types of things, you're going to enjoy this movie. I think there's there's a bit of war. There's it's not so much that I want to say it's for people that don't like the the horrors of war. There 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 are moments of that. Yeah. Uh but it's not something that I think is overwhelming and it often is done in the context of how our how our two our two guys are what what impact that has on them. Yeah, and don't, don't you think it's uh, interesting it's, that you know uh, you know last last time we talked about the wall, which wasn't really a a war movie either. It was set in right. a war, but yeah. it was this sort of psych, psychological thriller set in a war. And so now we get this yes. like heavy tragic drama <laughs> that's set in a war as well. It's interesting that we're in the middle of our wartime series or, or our war film series, and we haven't really found a movie that focuses on war as on, of yet on war. No. <laughs> so. Given that it's not a war film, it's it's this type of tragedy drama, which to me seems to be something that is more in your wheelhouse of films that you really connect with. So how how did you end up ranking and rating this one? Well, it was tough for me because, yeah, I mean, it is really just fraught with tragedy. Um, there is suspense leading up to the tragedy, but you know you know, whether or not you bought into that sort of criminal mystery thing or whatnot, you you feel like tragedy is 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 just around the corner throughout the film. So that was a bit hard for me. But um but I gave it three stars actually and I and I put it as a like because even though the the subject matter is kind of hard for me to swallow. I really liked the execution. I really liked the nonlinear storytelling. I really liked that my expectations of the mystery were subverted in a subtle way, not in the way that, you know, we found from the trailer. But I, I, I went back and forth and I ended up giving it a like. Now, even saying all that comes up in my flick chart and it comes up against my middle block, which we've, we've talked about before, but is another trailer rewind movie, which is all about Nina. And that movie for me is is right in the middle because the whole movie isn't something that I like, but the the powerful scenes in All About Nina, which are tragic and emotional as well, uh, resonate with me much more. So end up, so the Yellowbirds ends up in my bottom half because of that, because it couldn't beat All About Nina for me. But I have it down at 184 out of 266. And where that sits is just below Aniara, 
which is interesting. Another okay. trailer rewind movie. Yeah. And then just above, this is going to sound totally crazy, but Godzilla versus Kong, <laughs> which I think, you know, I, I like the popcorn nature of Godzilla versus Kong. But yes. again, that oh, yeah. emotional connection, the emotional feeling that I felt for the tragedy for the yellow birds had me sit there. It is about five above the wall. So I did like this above the wall. I felt it was deeper subject material and whatnot. But I think the interesting thing to say about all these rankings that I'll just say here is that I gave it three stars about my feelings about it. But where it says Flickchart says it should be in my rankings is a 1.5. So really, because of the way it comp- compares with other movies, it shows up lower. But I think this movie is better than than I would even rank it in, in the way that it came up against my other movies in Flickchart. How about you? We will see where our conversation goes if you're able to to move me off this because I did not have a good experience oh, with this. Okay. And I don't know if it's the I don't know if it's the trailer and expectations or if it was just my mindset at that time. I just did not connect with this film at all. I appreciate nonlinear storytelling. I looked at this cast and I thought, okay, there's there's some talent here. I just f- did not connect at all with anybody in this this film at all and i felt like they were just moving through the pieces the moving through the paces of getting through this film you know i couldn't draw a lot of strong emotional arcs across this i you know i wanted to in so many ways but there i don't know if it was the way the editing happened because i i'm fine jumping around back fourth time i can keep track of that but what is the reason for when we're moving because at a certain point i thought oh okay we're now here we're not going back and then 20 minutes later, oh, now we're going to get more flashbacks. So it just was inconsistent in something. So it ended up really low. I mean, my middle block on Flickchart is the sixth sense oh, wow. right now. That's an so, interesting one. So, so it was, and it's, that's a weird one. I, I feel like I need to re-rank that. So it, it, it didn't make it to the top half, but then it just kept not, <laughs> not, not being up. able to move, move yeah. up, move up. So it ended up at 778 of 785 wow, so it is way, is way down there low. way down there so it is below some other trailer rewind films if you remember the vanishing of sydney hall i do i do yes and triple nine okay below triple nine that's interesting too <laughs> yes. yeah i mean it's it's just right there and Again, maybe our conversation will redeem this, but right now it's sitting at 1.5 stars for me. No like, because I just really did not, just did not connect with this film at all. And there was, you know, it's not that I hated it. I just feel like it couldn't execute on the ideas that I thought I was expecting. And then as I adjusted my expectations, as I saw where it was going, I still didn't feel like I was getting anything from this story. You know, it's it's right. treading in a lot of common tropes, which is fine. You can do that well. And I just didn't know what this wanted me to feel, what it had to say. And that's that's where I ended up. It's just in a very dissatisfied place okay. by the time we, we finish this one. Well, it's not um, you're not meant to feel good after this movie. I will definitely oh, no, say no. that. I, so I, um, I, so maybe that mixed with a little bit of your lost feeling is, is probably why it's yes. so low for you. <laughs> yes. And so over uh Yellowbirds has a weighted average review on Letterboxd of two point nine. That is based on only eight hundred and eighty nine. Eight hundred eighty nine. That's low. On Letterboxd. That might be our yes. lowest yet. I think that is one wow. of our. I have to. I might have to check Aniara. That one was pretty low yeah. as well. Whenever you get to foreign films, we you know sometimes we get With low cast, numbers of reviews. Only eight hundred people. I, wow. I, yes. Or well, over at yeah. over at IMDb has a rating of five point seven. So again, both these are below that 
you know, sort of mid mark there. Um, very close, you know, very well, close to what it, I rank for. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, but over at IMDb, it's based on 3.6 thousand reviews, which is still relatively low. Again, from this cast, I would expect a lot more people wanting to check this one out. Um, we will see. And so, so that's, that's our recommendation. Recommendation. Is this a movie for you? If it is, you can go check out the yellow birds on Amazon, Amazon prime. If you're still not sure, we're going to dive into a conversation about the yellow birds in just a moment. But before we start our search for answers about the yellow birds, we need to give credit where credit is due. Trailer rewind is a member of the true story FM entertainment network. Check out all our great podcasts at TrueStory.fm. Our episodes are engineered by the wonderful Pete Wright. And our intro music is Duda by Ian post. All right, JJ. Yeah. Walk me back from 1.5 stars. I don't want to be there. I really hate being at that point. So, well, how, my do, first question, how does this film work? My first how does question it work for, for you, you is yeah. it, it, just reading, you know, what you wrote and how you feel about Bartle. It really felt like you felt like this movie is about Bartle. And I, and I don't and I don't want to disagree with you because I, I understand that he is our vessel for the story. Right. But right. I think that the way that the energy in the film is focused is really sort of uh, directed at Murph. And Murph is, for me, was meant to be the sort of vulnerable, um, the vulnerable piece of the puzzle that we're meant to uh, identify with, as opposed to Bartle. Bartle, and, and, and so if you believe that Ty Sheridan, which is interesting because um, my youngest son had me watch uh, X-Men Apocalypse just this past weekend. And so to see Ty Sheridan turn around as Cyclops and then to this, I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> that's a little different. But um, but I believed that Ty Sheridan was that Murph was that vulnerable lost kid, even when Bartle is stepping up for him and saying, he's good. I got him. You know, this kind of thing. Um, and because of that, because he because with Jennifer Aniston, with Maureen, his mother, Maureen, you know, sort of uh, affecting this this piece to Bartle, say, please take care of my son and all these things and all these people showing him as this vulnerable thing. I really uh, bought into the fact that this this kid needed help. And um, and so because of that, as we watched him deteriorate and then as the story sort of wound its way around what was happening, how we felt that potentially there was something nefarious that had happened. And then what we're presented with when you finally get the reveal is something that is somewhere in the middle of right and wrong. And there's no real answer to what it is. And I felt connected to the the despair that Murph had, and then the decision point that they had when they really found him and found what they had to do with him. I didn't understand their decision, but I could not for the life of me fathom what the right thing to do was. I, I couldn't fathom why they were the only two people there at that time, you know, and all this thing. And that's the thing. And so it, 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 it basically explained the rest of the trauma and the confusion and the, if you want to put it in the sort of more sterile terms, the cover up that what happened in the beginning of the movie and that the way the story wound around to that with the whole time me buying into Murph being this person that needed to be protected, that actually worked for me again in a tragic way. Um, it, it, it was a way that, again, if you're if you're interested in seeing the psychological effects of war, I think you should watch this movie. And I think the cast is spectacular. Um, oh, yeah. 
I love Alden Ehrenreich. Every everything I've ever seen him in, I'm always like, I can't wait to see the next movie with him. And then this like will pop up, and I'm like, oh, I have I didn't know about this. You know, I just I I like everything he does. Um, I think Tony Collette. Wow, Tony Collette, oh, yeah. and she's you know a master. Like, but what she delivered in this, like I, she she was everything. She was she was good. She was bad. She was she was a confused mother who was scared. I mean, she was fantastic. Um, and I, I mean, I guess we want to just keep going into the actors. Aniston, this movie. So we did Cake on um right. on Trailer oh, yeah. too, and I really like Cake. Um, and this movie made me mixed with Cake. This movie made me wish that Jennifer Aniston had never been Rachel and Friends, because because she is always going to be Rachel because she's because those are iconic characters but she can do so many different things and i'm sitting there watching rachel do this other thing and crumpling and 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 becoming you know distraught and 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 ruined destroyed over what's and she's fantastic at it but i still see rachel yes. <laughs> and i feel terrible about that so this movie plus cake made me wish that that had never happened so i don't know there's a lot to that there um but i think that again if you i think the trailer before the movie led you to believe it was something completely different um but if it doesn't connect with you emotionally this movie's not going to work in anything because it's going to feel like like we talk about that watercolor thing it's going to feel like a jumbled mess if you don't connect emotionally with it yeah and that's that's the issue i had because i by the time I got to the end and I saw where it went, I, I was able to reflect and say, OK, this is an entirely different movie. And now I'm recontextualizing all of these characters because Jack Houston is Sergeant Sterling is the I mean, I'm just expecting him to be he's 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 the jerk. He's the guy that's, you know, he's Tom Berenger from, from Platoon. He's going to go in there. He's he's you can't trust this guy. He tells him, I'm going to get you in there, you know, and, and you're going to see action. And it's like, we're going to go out. We're going to kill people. That's what we're going to do. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not what that's not the type of per person that needs to be associated with our two young, innocent, you know, men here. This is right. not not our good for them. little yellow birds. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I thought, no, no, no. But then by the time we get to the end, I I thinking some different things about him because i mean we can get into some spoiler territory here you know as as we get into the investigation and we you know we think there's a cover-up and 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 sterling you know commits suicide and it's you know we still don't know what happened because we're still you know we're back here in the present and i'm thinking okay here's a here's a man who's I have to assume based on the bits and pieces I have, because I don't have that much screen time with him. He's he takes a lot of responsibility for something that he wants to escape from something. And this this is bad. And he's ultimately guilty of something horrible. By the time we get to the end. No, he's not guilty of of anything, because, again, there's there's no blame to be placed to any one specific person. And it really makes me think about the guilt that he is feeling and the responsibility he feels for what happens to Murphy. And I thought that's an entirely different character. And we didn't, we didn't get any of that we didn't. And I, along the way. My apology yeah. for that, at least in my mind, is that his suicide is not about Murphy. And, and the, the little snippets we do get of him, I think he's, a, he's actually a complex character because he's a little bit better than Tom Berenger and Platoon in that he, he seems to, uh, exude some sort of lovable, frustrated, lovable, yes. angry yeah. guy, right? This kind yes. of thing. Yeah. But once we get to battle and we see that he's kind of losing his marbles and, and, you know, he's salting the earth, he's salting the bodies, he's, he's doing some things. I think 
So the only way that I apologize for that is that um, that the Murph thing was just another sort of nail in his coffin and that he was already on the downward spike spiral. And it's just this kind of thing. And it's not a good excuse for it. But I he wasn't connected enough to the Murph story for me to to say that that's what happened. And I don't think again, I don't think what they did was so wrong. I don't think the need to cover it up was as great as they made it out to be in the story. I think the ex- and that's why I think the explanation from Bartle when he finally sits down with Maureen and says and she says, why didn't you say anything? And he says, because I promised to be the first to tell you that was really powerful for me. Yes. That I was oh, like, yes. oh, all of this oh. confusion that I had all the way through that this there that there is there a criminal thing? Is it not? No, it was just a promise that he made to Murph's mom like that. I, I actually really liked. So but I agree with you about uh, the Sterling character. I it, it it wasn't enough screen time. So I had to excuse it with this sort of insanity that led to suicide. Yeah. But oh, that 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 final moment between Bartle and, and Maureen is it's one of those moments where you can say. That's why Jennifer Aniston signed up for this movie. Yeah. And she that, that moment there. No, it was, it's it's amazing. And I'm like, I wanted more of this earlier on. And yes, I get I get those Tony Collette moments, you know, as 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 Amy, you know, Bartle's mom and all of that, and her trying to make sense of what happened to her son over there when, you know, Jason Patrick as Captain Anderson shows up and he's got questions because he's, you know, here to investigate what's going on. And she and she's like, No, you already had my son. You don't get him again. And you know, she can't motivate him. She doesn't know what to do with him. And it, it's tackling all of these issues that we we continually read about in the news of the the trauma from, you know, our troops over there coming back and being unable to adjust back to normal life because of the things they've seen and, and what that does to them. And he's, what, he's 20 years old. I mean, he's a kid. Uh, sure, troubled kid and, you know, wasn't sure what to do with his life. There's a lot of those guys over there. Uh, but this is not what he signed up for. And, you know, so yeah, there's a lot of pieces in, when we when we look through everything. I mean, it, we we get the whole intro of we're going to get the voiceover from from Bartle, you know, setting up everything that we need to know that, you know, the war was there to kill us. You know, we we lost a lot. We we lost Murph before we really lost him. And so that that tells me there's something. OK, what does that mean that he he's lost? He was lost beforehand. What does that mean? You know, I didn't like when the, we get that those voiceover pieces. was over Bartle's face before we were introduced to the characters because he talks about Murph and we see Bartle and we haven't met them yet. So it's disorienting. But anyway, that's just yeah, oh, a I, I agree. I agree. I was like, is this Murph? And yes, it was. It was a little bit. But we, we get it. We get it figured out because then we jump into they're there at whatever in the, you know, Training tent, camp, you know, it's what Christmas, their Christmas oh, party or whatever. Yes. And and Murph's got his eye on the the girl. And he, you know, we, we get we get the whole setup of Bartle with his confidence and Murph with his I'm a wallflower. I can't go talk to this girl. I can't dance. I can't do all those things. We we get the basic setup of the differences between these two guys in that in that context. You know, so we 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 get that. I was like, OK, that was a nice way to give me the essentials of what I need. I got the tropes. I know who these guys are, the basic outlines of them. They're different. And then we get to see them. And, you know, we see, you know, Sterling tell Bartle, like, OK, you're with him, you know, and it's at first I'm like, what? Why? And it's like, well, he knows Murph needs somebody to to be to back him up on this, you know, that he's get they need to stick together. Uh, and then we we get, you know, 
we get into it and it's, yeah, we get all the scenes of them in combat, all of that. And then we, I think it's the, they're camped out. There's the building with the two snipers in it and they, you know, take them, they take one out. Um, and then, you know, one of their guys gets shot and it's like the first time Murph seen him right next to them. And it's this, this big moment. And then we cut from that. Cause that's where Murph says basically like, you know, I, I, I think I'm going crazy. I keep, you know, thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't me. And Bartle's like, no, that's the, that's, that's, that's the not a crazy thing. <laughs> that's the same thing to yes. be thinking. And then we cut and we jump forward in time to Murph coming back. So I have to piece together Bartle, you know, at the beginning saying we lost Murph. And I thought, okay, we get all this up to this point and we see it's a traumatic event for Murphy. And then we suddenly are jumping forward in time to Bartle coming home at the airport. He sees his mom. He doesn't want to talk with her. He hangs out in the bar. We get all of, we get a whole huge stretch of stuff with Bartle at home and, and not adjusting. And I'm thinking, okay, we're not going back. We're not going to get any more detailed information about this. But then we do come back for what I think is really like the pivotal um, Murphy sequence, because I mean, it's, it's a, for me, a great sequence is they're, they're going into town. There's a body in the road. Okay. It's a booby trapped body, all of that stuff, you know, what they called it, the body bomb, all of, all of that stuff that, or no, no, it's, this is where I see I have trouble. I think it's before the body, it's before the body bomb when, Murph gets hit with the shrapnel or is it, or is it there? Yes, it is before no, he that. gets, he, it is before because yes. he's right. So they're on, they're out. Some, you know, gets shot up, gets shrapnels. Like he's, you know, okay. He's in the hospital, whatever, all of that. He's going through rehab or whatever. And that's where he's, he meets this, this nurse or same girl, doctor, same girl from the same Christmas girl. thing. Yeah. Right. And that's again, where I'm like, okay, clearly the Christmas thing was after I'm assuming. See, I didn't think that. I wasn't sure, I didn't but think again, that. does it matter? I don't think it matters, I don't know. but yeah, I didn't think Yeah, that. right. But we get this thing where, okay, then we see Bartle, they're looking for Murph, and it's, Murph is just like, for lack of a better term, he's stalking her. You know, he, it's, he, he's, he's there, and it, I can understand that. It's that whole, like, you know, she, you know, helped him, and it's somebody who's sympathetic. She's attractive. She cared for him. You can see that he's an 18 year old kid. He's going to be drawn to her. Exactly. So he just sits there. He, and so this is how I interpreted that. He fell in love with her. Right. He was ashamed of how he, how he dealt with his injury right. and how he needed yeah. her in that moment. But he was deeply in love with her for taking care of him in the way that he needed to be taken care of. Yes, he's stalking her. You're right. But, and I don't want to put a butt there. Let me eliminate the butt because <laughs> I have lots of problems with that kind of, that kind of behavior in movies. Yeah. I will say that the way that I interpret it is that she was the last thing that he had to keep him uh, going. Oh, yes. And, yes. Well, and that's, that's what he, that's... and he needed that. That was his sort of, his way of, of saying this is worth it because she's taking care of people, all these kind of things. So, yes. Yes, I, I agree. Because then what happens next is for me, and I, I want to go to this this clip of M- Murphy and, and Bart, because Bartle's trying to just like coax him out of there. Let's go. We'll get out of here. We'll do this. And then, you know, Ty Sheridan as, you know, Private Murphy has this little, you know, monologue that to me, it was really powerful and just really conveys everything that's going on in his head. I'm never going to tell anybody I was here when I get back. When I get back, I just 
I don't get a place to myself. My own little place, not talk to anybody. Wake up every morning, go run, eat right, let my fucking hair grow back out. And I might show up. And if somebody says, hey Murph, didn't you used to be in the army or something? And I'll just say, that was something I did for a little while. Or maybe I won't even say that, maybe. I don't want this to be a part of me. He does not want to go back. You know, he, he wants to, to have a strong separation, or if he goes back, he, th he's leaving this behind. He does not want any of this coming back with him. He's trying to, like, partition these two parts of himself of this is not me. This is not who I am. I'm here, and I'm going to have to separate this. And when I get back, I'm going to completely deny you know, having anything to do with this because it is, it is traumatic. And then as soon as he finishes that, the mortar attack happens, which, you know, okay, so there's his object of affection dying. Yeah, his last now. straw. I mean, yeah. his last straw is taken away from him. And then that's when we get the next sequence, which is they go into the town because they say, it was a show of strength, right? We, we weren't ready to go back, but we needed to show strength that even though mortar tech, we're, we're here. You're not chasing us out of here. We're going to go show strength into this town. And that's, that's the final stretch with, with Murphy on everything. And for me, it was a, a again, powerful segment on its own, but I, I emotionally couldn't connect all the pieces again, because Bartles are our audience surrogate. So we're with him. And I feel like he is, he's not a man who's going to share his emotions. So I don't know what he's feeling all the time. Murph is, you know, out here already shutting himself off. So I don't have access to his emotional state in terms of what he's going on. So what should I feel like should be a powerful emotional moment for me isn't because I'm just not allowed access to that. And again, that may not be the intent of this. Well, that's, I think, I think we're finding where we have this sort of fundamental different view of the film because i never felt like bartle was my surrogate i always okay. felt like murphy was i always but felt how like do you identify with him based so much on the events we... of the way okay. the events are brought to us i think we're meant to feel it as deeply as murphy we're not meant to lose our humanity in the way that bartle it happens to bartle we're meant to lose our humanity in the way that it happens to murphy um because at least that's how i felt Right. I mean, when okay. when we sure. lose the nurse, when we when we experience the kid dying next to them, I, I don't yeah. think we experience it as Sterling. I don't think we experience it as, as Bartle. I think we are meant to experience it as Murphy. Uh, and then we you know, I, I, I don't know how I argue for the, the, the end of the film <laughs> when we have no more Murphy. But the um, the piece is that um, it, that I think is really that Bartle is sort of, again, the word that I used at the beginning of the show was vessel, the vessel for telling the story of the tragedy of war and the tragedy of war that we're supposed to sit with is Murphy's tragedy. At least that's how I watched it. So, OK, no, I, I can see that it's it's a it's a difficult jump for me to make. But I again, I see so many strong moments because when we we do have that moment where they're heading back and Murphy disappears, it's like, OK, we got to. We can't leave a man behind. We've got to find him. And it's trying to find where he went. And then it's these, you know, 
citizen saying, oh, you know, the old woman saying, oh, yeah, I saw an American soldier, but, you know, with no shoes walking this way. And then there's the man with the cart saying, oh, yeah, I, I saw I saw a boy over here and, you know, show us, you know, where where is he? And it's yeah, it's it's dark and it's it's heavy and it's powerful stuff that, you know, Murph snap and just like I'm done. I'm I'm walking out of here and I can't I can't do this anymore. And, you know, we don't know the specifics of what happened, but he's 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 killed. He's brutalized. He's mutilated. And it's it's not pleasant. We don't we don't I mean, we don't thankfully we don't see that we're not subjected to that, which I was thankful for. I I thought the way that that they hinted at it was enough. Yeah, Yeah. no, exactly. Exactly. And then it gets to, you know, Bartle's decision you know, as he's explaining to Maureen of, you know, you know, why didn't you bring him back? And he's like, you, no, I didn't want your memory, your last memory of him being like that. And his, like I and have. his point of view yeah. is valid. And so is hers when she said that's not your decision to make. And that was such a powerful statement from a mother there. And but his his opinion's valid. I get it. And I just I think. You know, I the, I guess the reason why I felt like Murphy was was my surrogate is because I felt lost. That the trauma made me feel lost, and that's what happened to Murphy. It's not what happened to Bartle. Oh yeah, right. Well, see, and it's I I look at it as you know, in Bartle's decision coming back to the conversation he had with Murphy, where he, Murphy says, "I don't want this to be a part of me." You know, so if he if his body comes back like that, it is forever connected to the brutality of war, and that's not what Murphy wanted. Right. He said, well, I, I, I'm not going to tell anybody, you know, because people say, oh, weren't you in the army? He's like, no, I'm not. I, I don't want this. And so by keeping that, keeping his body there and, you know, letting it go down the river, this part of Murphy always stays here. And what is back home is always separated from that. And to me, it was it was Bartle honoring sort of Murphy's wish and i'm i'm so excited that i get to talk to you about this story because um and again you didn't like it as much so it's hard but how did you feel about the baptism symbolism that they showed the baptism before they all went to war and then with bartle wading him out into the river the, his 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 desecrated body out into the river and letting him go under like I don't know. I, that was really powerful for me in the way that they delivered it again not really hammering it into you just like putting it there because what Bartle's intent was, was to, this is too strong a word, but to bless the body that had been desecrated, to let it have a better death than it was given. And like that kind of stuff, I don't know. It it was show and not tell for me. So I ended up liking that kind of stuff, even though it was so intensely sad. Um, no, I I love the end of this movie. Okay, good. I, I wish it had I that whole secret. I was it, I'm like this is beautiful. This is I'm gonna blame the trailer. This is, I'm blaming the trailer yeah. for for what no because like everything in the I guess it's it's all the Bartle stuff <laughs> yeah. back home with like him with his girlfriend. He walks across the river and all, I was like that it wasn't giving me anything. And again, I I guess it, again because I was approaching it as Bartle's audience surrogate. I'm expecting to get something from him, and I'm not. Whereas you're looking at it from Murphy. That is an entirely different lens. And yeah, when I look at those, those are the key moments that I really enjoy is anything with Murphy where it's, he's, he's learning, he's, you know, the trauma, all of those pieces, Ty Sheridan, that's, you know, that's the character this film's about, but it just, I guess I come back to, you know, Bartle's first quote, you know, early quote at the beginning where he's like, I, uh, what is it that he says? 
Exactly. He says something along the lines of, uh, I wish I knew how to put this together to make sense, or I wish I knew the right order uh, to, to make sense of this. And I feel like the order that we get things doesn't help us make sense of it. And that, because we're getting Bartle's version of it, he's trying to sequence things. So if he can't make sense of it, then the audience isn't able to make sense of it because we're not getting it in an order that allows us to make sense. And I understand the reason for that because there is no logical reason why, why things happen. There's no, you know, nothing working for good in the order of these events of like, that's going to justify this being the right thing that, that either Bartle did or what happened to Murphy being, you know, that there's no, it makes no sense for that. And so I appreciate that, but it, for me, it forced me into more into Bartle's corner. Whereas now, like I said, if I look at this, the Murphy moments are the strengths of the film. They are. And, and so to continue with that, because you like the end of the film, I'm going to hark on another thing that com comes up at the end of the film, because consistent with what Bartle wanted to do for Murphy, he then, the ending that we get is that he changes the story of how Murphy interacted with the girl. So not only does he bless the body, the desecrated body, but then he blesses the spirit of the boy by relating a story that didn't happen to his mother to give to give new life right new life to this kid that again was ruined by the war and so again we don't have murphy for that end of the movie but but his story is still prominent and it's changed in a positive way so again i like it, the quote you just brought up that you know i wish i could find an order that made sense i think that that's probably consistent with the way the book was written and the way the movie was told but i can totally see why um if you have two different visions of being lost in this movie you're gonna like it or you're not gonna like it yeah well okay i you know you're you're bringing me up from the 1.5 i might i might be willing to come up to 2.5 i think you should watch it again i think you should watch it again with someone in your family who is not affected a lot by this kind of stuff but also <laughs> that won't watch the trailer and see what they think about it okay you know if they, okay. if if they appreciate it if not then find someone outside your family because it's a it's a heavy movie it's really heavy oh oh yeah it is no it's it's one of the i'll have to i'll definitely have to find somebody to watch this one with it will not be my wife because she said what do you watch i was like oh for trailer rewind oh what is it yellow birds it's a war movie she said thank you but no thank you thank you Me leaving <laughs> thank you no Yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess you redeemed this one for, oh, good. for me a well, bit. So I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. But I it's... see your starting point in the story, story too, because I think if I wasn't emotionally connected to it, I, I, I agree that it would see a jump, be a jumbled mess. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about in terms of camera, you mentioned editing before, and there were two of my favorite uh, pieces were two times that they used fade outs particularly well okay and early on in the movie we have a a low shot i think of if someone's head or, or a car and as they then fade out to go to battle you see a tank rolling in or some sort of armored carrier i shouldn't say a tank but armored carrier rolling in and it appears as they fade very very slowly it it's matched up in the scene very that it looks like the tank or the symbol of war is rolling over this sort of piece of home which i think is done really really well and then the other one is when uh, bartle finally is going to tell the story to maureen and they're sitting across the table at the military prison and they're talking about this when he starts to tell the story you get the they line it up, this fade again very well. And fades aren't really used 
very commonly anymore. So when you see it, it, for some reason, it sparks my idea. But they line it up so that the table that they're sitting on becomes the road that these vehicles are driving across. And they slowly fade into the story when they do it. I just thought there was, those were really innovative. And they only used it a couple times in the story. It wasn't a common editing change. It wasn't a common cut. But they did it with purpose. And I really liked that. I did not think it was interesting on the trailer that it's, it won the Best Cinematography Award at Sundance, which... Again, only eight hundred and eighty nine reviews on Letterboxd. I, I know. I, I know. It's, uh, well, I think it's again one that it didn't get strong reviews than it th- when it came out, and that's all it takes is a couple bad reviews, and you know that that's it. You I know? think it's got to be story. I think it's got to be the story things that you have because honestly, like execution of this film is pretty pretty tight. There aren't a lot. I I couldn't argue with the way that the film was. Uh, technically executed here. No, I, I, I couldn't either. Like I said, there were some story things and I, I hate to say this. I, I don't know. I, I'm with you. Alden Ehrenreich, sign me up. I will show up for his stuff, but nothing, you know, aside from solo, a star Wars story, which again, even within the (laughs) star Wars, you know, films, isn't one that, you know, is highly celebrated by fans for various reasons. But he hasn't had that breakout. And so, you know, that's that's the pieces, you know, and and Ty Sheridan is in the same place where super talented, but just hasn't had that. You know, this was before Ready Player One, you know, and even that hasn't been one that he's leveraged to, like, become that A-list, you know, that's going to carry a film. I think that's one of the other issues is who's going to see this? Well, the guys that are in war movies aren't like, Tony Collette, give me more of that. She's Jennifer so, Aniston, I've, they're both but so they're good so, in this movie. They are so good in this. They don't, you don't have the dude, you know, the dude, the bro guy to to carry you through this movie. And that's Alden unfortunate. Alden Ehrenreich but, is my dude. Yes. That, oh, yes. That's my I dude. agree. <laughs> yes, he is. Hail Caesar. Right. All, all right. about he that. He was my yes, favorite character in a, a tiny role, but my favorite character in all of Hail Caesar. Yes. Yes, exactly. So that's, yeah, it, it's a, it's. It's a messy film in terms of trying to categorize it and, and all that. So hopefully people that have listened that maybe were on the fence are swayed by, you know, as I was. I think there are, are moments and gives them maybe the the right filter to, to start watching this film. Because I, I feel like there are some films, if you walk in blind, you can have a disappointing experience. But then with a little bit of information to contextualize it for you, it, it sort of gives you that, okay, this is what I should be getting out of this. It helps frame some things. And I don't want to say that's weak filmmaking. It's just, there's there's some types of films. I'm, I've done this myself. I'm not a big fan of Westerns. And then the Criterion Channel had a whole thing of Western noir. I love noir. And I watched these Western noir films. I thought, I love these. I would have never watched them as a Western. And if you hadn't given me the idea of, look at this through the lens of this is a noir, I wouldn't have even thought that. I would have just thought, ah, it's a Western and it's, doing some things but it gives me the the framework for that so thank you for giving me a good framework to go revisit the yellow birds now i'm not gonna have time to do that before our (laughs) next film coming up which is the kill team which we will be talking about that one is also available so this was our war trilogy that was all on amazon prime the wall the yellow birds and the kill team available to stream on amazon prime jj thank you so much for Turning me around on this one. We had a great conversation. Yes. Thank you so much. And to all our listeners out there, Hondo. Thank you for listening to Trailer Rewind. 
If anything we said here entertained, educated, or even enraged you, we'd like you to tell people about this podcast. Whatever your listening platform is, please share, rate, or write a short review. It helps other podcast listeners find us. If you enjoy connecting with other film fans, you can become a member of our community on Discord. It's free, and there's always an interesting dialogue or debate to jump into. You can also financially support us. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive Discord channels, the opportunity to chat with us live before we record an episode, and the warm feeling you get knowing you are contributing support to the behind-the-scenes resources that help everyone here at the Next Real Family of Podcasts. So please join us on Discord or become a Patreon supporter. Either way, we would love to have you be part of our community. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.